He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, the media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today I'm joined by the head coach of Syracuse University, Jim Beheim and his son, Buddy Beheim. We talked COVID protocols for the team and their excitement looking forward to this upcoming season. We discussed the fact that 100% of the team and staff who were eligible voters actually voted in this last election. We talked politics, Black Lives Matter, uh, them meeting with Not Again SU students and showing them support, and his plans for retirement. Really good episode. Hope you enjoy Coach Bayheim or Buddy Bayheim, how you doing, sir? We're good up here. It's uh, been 70 degrees in Syracuse in November. How about that? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful down here, too, in Maryland. I mean, I, I want to thank y'all for taking the time to come on the rematch, uh, basketballnews.com and uh, Fly TV. Uh, I appreciate it. There's a lot that I want to talk to y'all about. Uh, first of all, everybody healthy? This, now these COVID times, that's the first thing you have to ask. Everybody healthy? Everybody good? We've been good. We've been here since July 2nd, testing and, you know, getting practice in. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's it's July, August, September, October. I've been four months already. So wow. we're kind of getting anxious to get to the season, and hopefully everybody will be good. I mean, there's a lot of protocols in place, and, you know, all these other leagues have been able to play. And right. uh, hopefully uh, – you know, we're going to be able to play basketball this year starting at the end of November. But, right. you know, you just you just got to, you know, hope hope for the best. And, you know, players are being smart. They're isolating. They're not going to parties. And that's that's where most of this stuff happens. You just go out to some big party, and that that's when you get in these COVID problems. So uh, players have been really good. They're dedicated to what what we're trying to do. And it's it's a little tough, but it's it's better than getting sick. And, and let me ask you that, buddy, because I, I know, you know, I'm sure you're looking forward to this season. And, you know, building you had a great season last year. You know, you're getting better and better each year. You know, the first year you was more, you know, spot-up shooter. Then you added the, the pump fake, two-dribble pull-up, going to the basket, being aggressive. I, I was loving it. Um, you know, how, how first, how much are you looking forward to playing this year? Uh, I can't wait. I mean, just, you know, spending four or five months in home, you know, in quarantine, I was just, 
you know, working out every day and made me want to get back even more. And being back with my teammates and the coaches has just been, you know, it's been great. Uh, you know, playing aside this, uh, you know, this tough time, uh, being able to go to the gym every day and practice and be with my team is, you know, it's been great. And uh, we all just can't wait to get back on the on the court now and, you know, play games. We know uh, fans won't probably won't be allowed to watch, be in the dome, but we know they'll be watching. So just excited to, you know, show how much we've been working. And this is a really good group. So this uh, we're all itching to get out there. Y'all were having some intense workouts. I, I saw one thing. I think it was during uh, TBT, uh, Coach. You called it. You was down there in the basement. I was like, that's a full gym. Yeah, full. That's not quite a basement. But y'all was having some. Till I saw Devendorf in there. I saw you and your brother going at it. Y'all was y'all was going at it, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. I uh, just having. I mean, Eric and my brother are two of the most competitive guys I know. So we would go at it for you know two hours a day, and you know Eric's as fierce as it gets, and. You know, if he loses, he's coming right back at us. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we had a lot of a lot of good times during quarantine playing one-on-one -on -one and stuff like that. They were lucky that they got all these workouts in. It's been – it was great. Great for uh, – Eric's as good as anybody driving the basketball, as you know. He's very hard to guard, if not impossible. Right. I don't whether you're in college or the NBA, you, he's hard to guard. Right. The – so it was good. It was a good workout, good workouts this summer. It was good having the half court in our basement. A lot of kids, a lot of our players couldn't find a place to work out. They were going outdoors, shooting outdoors, or trying to run outdoors. It was tough. But uh, that's why we were glad we could get everybody back here in July, get them in the gym, get them with our strength coach. You know, players and kids are better off on campus when you look at all the COVID stuff going on. Uh, they're, I think they're safer on campuses and in school because you're watching them. They're thinking about being careful. And uh, I think it's been a good thing for us having everybody back up here. And, and that's been my kind of question and concern, as long with all of America, you know, it's just how do we navigate through this COVID situation and be able to start um, college, you know, start regular classes and start um you know, um, the seasons. And I want to ask you, you know, as far as you see different outbreaks happening in different universities, uh, especially once they first opened up, you saw, you know, Notre Dame, you saw North Carolina, you saw different. And then as far as college football, you saw a lot of different outbreaks. What is different about what's going on? Because Syracuse, I mean, from what I've been seeing, hasn't really had a huge outbreak like some of the other universities have. What have they been doing differently? Well, you know, the, the chancellor decided in the beginning he was going to bring everybody back. He was going to test everybody. If anybody congregated, where they were going to watch it. They were going to, you know, they've thrown some people out of school, yeah. one people. Um, but, uh, you know, part of it, if you look at it, there were some football programs that had 30, 40 guys. Right. Out, but they all came back in practice. I mean, healthy young people usually can handle this, and or I think always can handle this and come back and play but um it, so it's a challenge you know it is definitely a challenge and most schools have already gone through some and have been able to bounce back i mean you saw clemson and Notre Dame play one of the great football games of all time uh, the other night and, and you know they've both gone through testing problems and, and positive tests but my feeling, and uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not, a, I'm not a health expert. I don't see this going away. I think we've got to worry, work on how we can cope with it, whether right. it's business or owning a restaurant or schools or playing. I think we've got to figure out 
the best we can how we get through this and have as normal a life as we can because if there is no vaccine that really works or that people will take for a while, we can't just stand still. So hopefully we're going to be able to work our way through this. That's what we're trying to do. And if you look around the country, most sports have been able to do it. Baseball had a little trouble in the beginning, but they traveled and they played their season and they played their playoffs and were successful. Mm. So, so let me ask you this, and this is a question because a lot of the stuff, um, you know, people ask and they just don't really know the answer. So is there a universal um, protocol for coronavirus for per conference? Is it for NCAA? Like, how, what what system are they going on? Well, the NCAA has guidelines. Each conference has guidelines. For example, in the ACC, we're testing right now once a week, but when we start competition, we're going to test three times a week. So we should be able to get the games healthy, you know, and keep, you know, players that, you know, if somebody is a positive, being able to take him out and, you know, and, and monitor the other guys, but we're, that's all still to be determined. This is an unknown area. Um, and we're just going to, we're, we're timing how much our players are together to, so that if somebody on our team did, be a positive and they're not around the other players that much, except for brief moments in practice situations that uh, the other player wouldn't have to quarantine. But those are things that are all being worked through. But basically everybody's testing and everybody that we play will be testing three times a week. So we're very hopeful that we can get through this and, and get to games and to get through the season. Um, let me just ask you, how, how fast do they get the results once they're tested? Because that was another, you know, area of concern with different – some people were getting – having to wait, you know, two or three days. Uh, some people somehow got a rush where they was getting the, you know, the results back the next day. What what system are, are, are you on and how long does it take to get the results? The rapid testing you can get back the same day. If you're, if you're not in rapid testing, then it's usually the next day. But by the time the season comes – uh, we'll be testing three times a week and get the results back, hopefully, uh, no later than the next day. Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, I mean, I know it's a, it's a tough situation, and I know everybody's just trying to figure it out um, as, as we go. You know, here with, with, with my kids, youth sports down here in, in Maryland, you know, I, I, I think it's a wash. You know, we're, we're probably going to hold them out regardless uh, of, of what happens. But um, you know, I, at universities, it, it appears as though they have a little bit more, you know, of course they have more funding, more ability to be able to implement better um, procedures. And it's just, you know, one of those things where, um, you know, people are getting different information <laughs> and it's kind of hard to, you know, people are trying to disseminate, okay, what's the truth or what's not the truth? How worried should we be? You know, and that's, that's the tough part. But I got to say so far, you know, with, with, uh, at Syracuse, the numbers have been low. The number of positive cases have been relatively low. Yeah, and that can change. I mean, unfortunately, it can change. Just some kids just get a little carried away and go out. And you, if you get groups, all of a sudden, you know, you can get thirty or forty cases if you're if you're going in big groups. We right. we've avoided that. We have just another couple of weeks of school before we're going to 
send everybody home for the Thanksgiving right until late January. So okay. uh, that's what we're trying to do. But again, nothing seems to transpire on the court around the field. It doesn't seem like talking to the NCAA doctors that if you play a basketball game, you're going to transmit COVID on the court. It doesn't seem to be that way. All the football games, all the soccer games you see, the baseball games that were all played, all the cases were from players going out in the community, going to a club, going to dinner. They weren't transmitted on the field. And I think that's an important thing for us to learn going forward, that this isn't happening out there in the field. It's happening at parties or restaurants or going to the store, um, things of that nature. So hopefully we're learning about this, uh, but we still have a lot to learn. Right. I'm afraid that we have a, still quite a long ways to go. I think that we hopefully now understand that we need to wear masks and we need to wash our hands and we need to socially distance as much as possible. Right. And, that will make a difference. And I think that hopefully we'll start doing more of that. I mean, is, is there a mask mandate on, on campus? Yes. Or, okay, good, good, good. Because that's not the same thing every place. Every place doesn't no. have the same mask no. mandate, right? It's pretty, it's, there's no, there's, there's a mandate on campus uh-huh. we can control, but in the city there isn't. But I think generally whenever I've been out anywhere, everybody's wearing their mask. Okay, that's good. I have not been to a store or a restaurant or any public place that people haven't worn masks here. People are pretty good. We've taken the count way down in New York State. We were the the worst in the beginning of COVID, mainly right. in New York City. Right. But now we're one of the better states. But we've had a flare-up in the last couple of weeks. So right. It's it's not something that that is going to go away, and, right? You know, but most everybody up here wears masks. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to hear. Well, well, switching gears a little bit, you know, I, I saw that a hundred percent of the of the team, uh, eligible team, and the um, staff all voted in the last election. I thought that was a great stat um, to really be able to see. Um, how did that come about, and what were the efforts of pushing? I'll start with you, buddy. What what was important about this election for you to be involved in this process? Uh, really just, I mean, trying to make change, uh, knowing with everything that happened uh, in the you know past year or so with, uh, you know, everything going on and Black Lives Matter and, you know, making sure that we'd make the change through voting, which was the biggest way to, you know, make the change, you know, doing all these you know, protests and marching, which is all great stuff. But mm-hmm. knowing that the biggest thing to get done was through voting. And, you know, we, we made sure as a team that was one of the first things we mentioned for, you know, trying to make a change was to get everyone regist- registered to vote. And, you know, the coaches all did a great job of, you know, making sure we were registered, uh, checking in with us, you know, every week by week, seeing if we were and, you know, making it a priority that we were registered to vote and we would all, you know, be voting so we could – you know, make that change we wanted to do. You know, when you look at a state like Pennsylvania, where it was, you know, in Georgia, where it's 8,000, 10,000 vote differential for a long time, when you think about it, all these college kids that voted, 
registered mm -hmm. absentee, there's thousands. I mean, right. I mean, I was talking to the Cornell athletic director. They, they have 1,100 athletes at Cornell. Mm. Uh, and they all registered from what I know. And here, all of our athletes registered. You know, you start getting that many young people uh, to register, to vote, and send their ballots in that uh, in a real close state, in a real close election in a state that can that could swing an election. And Definitely. I just think that in, in general, obviously, as we look at the numbers, you know, more people voted than ever. And I think more people really wanted it. I mean, they waited in line. They did whatever it took to vote. I think mm -hmm. years ago, if you went to the voting place and you had to wait 10 minutes, a lot of people just went home. They right. had now they waited hours and they voted. So mm -hmm. I think that's good. It's good for our country. And I think in the long run, I think we're just much more aware. And if we make all the college students and high school students aware of this, that same group's going to come back next year, and then there's going to be another addition, another class added on. Right. So I think it's a big movement in American history. I'm, I'm a history major. Um, I, I just think this is a big movement for this country moving forward when you get so many young people engaged. And, and I, I told my class, I said, I don't care who you vote for. You just mm -hmm. need to vote, and you need to try to – you know, familiarize yourself with who you're voting for and why you're voting for them. And uh, I think uh, we're, we're coming. I think we're, we're, we've come a long ways. And the best way for change is with young people. Right. It's as simple as that. And we still have a ways to go, but I think we're on the right track right now. And, and what, what were the conversations like in, in the locker room uh, around voting and around the elections and politics and everything that was was going on? What were what were the how were the conversations? Uh, I mean, really, just, you know, we talk here and there, obviously, about it. Uh, you know, just uh, I mean, everyone has their own opinions, but mm -hmm. just making sure that, you know, we made the we were making the right decision and, you know, talking about it, out, talking it out, you know, you know, hearing each other's values and what's important and. You know, I think we all, you know, are kind of on the same page. We all know, you know, what our values are and what's important. And, you know, it's kind of cool hearing, you know, we got guys from all different backgrounds. So mm -hmm. just getting a, a little bit of everything, it was was great for us. And, you know, it's really, I think we learned a lot about each other and just uh, the situation. So it was good for us. You know, I, I've been really proud of the way that, you know, the team in, in general has really stepped up to the plate and stepped up to the forefront when different things were going on. You know, coach, you've always been someone who um, isn't afraid to voice your opinion publicly. And, and I, I remember after uh, George Floyd happened and I read a few articles where you were speaking very directly to it, you know, not generically and not trying to dance around the issues or anything like that, but you're speaking directly to it with what it meant to you. And you talked about a zoom call that you had with the players um, after it. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, this is something that when you see this, and, and it's one thing to talk about, obviously, which you have to talk about it first. Mm -hmm. And then the main thing is, what are we doing about it? And I know that you know that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's such a shocking thing to see. And, and there's other examples. It's not, he's, George Floyd's not the only example. Right. Um, there's other examples. And it, it, it has to wake people up 
to say, okay, let's do something. And what we said right away is let's vote. Let's get everybody out to vote. So if we are all voting and trying to get the candidates we like who we think will help with police reform, candidates that will help uh, with certain tax situation, the way the tax structure is. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the things that have got to change. And the only way you can change those is by electing people that are willing to change those laws, uh, and, and particularly, especially in terms of tax and taxation, all the different programs that are out there and to figure out immigration, which I think is still the one of the most important things we need to do. We can't have people in this country who were born in this country, country and been here for 30 years and then saying, well, no, they're not. <laughs> they don't belong here. Right. We can't have that. And any common sense would tell you we can't have that. Right. The political football and people don't want to give it. You know, because it's all politics. Right. We have to let people that are willing to vote. That yeah, these people are citizens. We should. They're not going anywhere. That's what has made this country great. If you look back at American history, it's all immigrants who've mm -hmm. done the work, a lot of the hard work, and a lot of the work that's made this country what it is today. Mm -hmm. And it's not time right now to stop immigration. And it's something we've got to figure out, and hopefully we can do a better job. And the best way to figure things out is if we can ever work together politically in the last 10 to you know, 12 to 16 years, we haven't been able to work together politically at all, in no way, shape, or form. And maybe we can. I mean, maybe we're at a point where we can, but I think that the, the president-elect is going to try mm -hmm. to work together. Whether that can be done, you know, you, if you're skeptical, you're probably going to be skeptical about it. Right. But somehow we've got to work together to get things changed. And you know, that's you know, what I hope anyway. You know, after, after George Floyd happened, and this is, you know, something that I saw, was I saw more conversations happening. I saw more conversations of different of different races, of black and white people, of I, I would probably say, in my lifetime, that was probably the most white people that I saw actually protesting the death of a black man by the police, in my lifetime that I've ever seen. You know, I mean, it was there was something different about George Floyd, and I, you know, me and Buddy, we we talked on a, on a few different programs, and we talked about the importance of allies and how you wanted to be an ally and how you wanted to push for something to be different. And you're talking to your, your black teammates and they're experiencing something that you might not necessarily have to experience. It might not be your world, but you know enough to be able to say it's not right, that that's your reality, you know? And th those are the conversations. And I, and I saw the Syracuse team being an example of that and being an example for other programs across the country. Um, how did that become about even even with the, the video that you did, um, you know, no excuse that you teamed up with Carmelo. And I thought that was a great video. Tell me how that video came about and and why you decided to put that out. You didn't just put a statement that said Black Lives Matter or a statement that said you wanted to put an actual video so you could show your, you know, actual feeling behind everything. Tell, tell me about how that came about. 
Well, it wasn't enough just to put a statement out. We knew that. We wanted to do more. Uh, what we did was better, but we still have to go beyond that. But the video was just to try to go a step further and then getting people out to vote to another step, working with different groups moving forward, in work, include working with the police moving forward. There's some teams that have worked with police departments in the past and done things, basketball, clinic-related things with the police department. I mean, these are things that have to be done. When it comes to this movement or any movement, there's going to be people on the far right you're never going to reach. It doesn't matter what happens. They're not going to come along. And just as there's people on the far left that you can never quite go to where they may want to go. But if we can get the middle group big enough to create change, they'll have to go along. They have no choice. They'll go along with what happens. So that's what I think the goal is to, to get back to the middle, that big group and make that group bigger Mm -hmm. so that we can move forward and accomplish change. Young people want change. I don't think there's anybody in the young group of people that I know or work with who is pushed so far right that they can't see that there needs to be change. They see them. I mean, there's the older segment of the population is never going to change. Right. It doesn't matter whether we educate them or teach them. It's not going to change. That's a good point. You know, we need to change the younger people who can be changed and want to change. And if we get grow that group over the next 10 years, then we're going to see significant change in this country. But it's going to take a tremendous effort, and it's not going to happen without that effort from all of us, from everybody. Um, buddy, how, what was the reaction that you got from, you know, the people of Syracuse, people on campus after you all began talking publicly um, about Black Lives Matter, talking about George Floyd, um, after you made the video, um, no excuse. What was the reaction that you got uh, from them? Uh, I mean, it was really obviously great. Just a lot of people are already supportive of us and the team. And, you know, they like that we're using our platform. I mean, one of the first things we said in our Zoom meetings was, you know, we have hundred thousand followers on Instagram. We have the Q's basketball account. We have, you know, everyone in the community knows who we are and just being able to voice our, use our voices was huge for us and use our platforms. It was kind of like uh, last year when we wore the not again SU warm up shirts, uh, you know, a lot of students reached out about to us about, you know, how great that was. And just similar to that, being able to use, you know, our voices, always something we want to do right away. And just, uh, you know, it means a lot that we have that, you know, responsibility and, and platform to get our voice heard and, you know, express, you know, how we feel. You know, you brought up the Not Again SU, and I, I remember even looking at it when y'all went down to the um, demonstration, to the sit-in, um, and you spoke to the, to the students. I thought that was great. I, I you know, that, that there was a lot that happened on campus um, last year, uh, racially. A lot of racial incidents happened, and I, and I just thought the fact that you – uh, you know, took Buddy, Elijah Hughes, and y'all went down there and spoke to them. What did you learn from that experience, Buddy, from listening to, and it was an intense situation. You know, there, there were, uh, you know, a lot of emotions going on during that, the whole meeting. I watched the whole thing. But what was your, what was your takeaway from that? 
Uh, really just, you know, how important, how important it is, you know, to not to the, you know, the campus and the, the students and how much, you know, it, it important it is for me to listen and try to understand and, you know, try to help them as, as well as I can. Because, you know, like you said, I won't understand how they feel specifically as a white person, but being able to use my voice and be an ally and ally and see, you know, how I can help them is always important and educate myself. And I think that was just a really good learning experience. You know, I've never really had a situation like that where I went in and, you know, was able to talk and interact with the students and hear their what they wanted and, you know, how they felt. So I really just felt their emotions. And, you know, it was definitely a great experience and uh, something that, you know, I'll look back on for, for a while and, you know, use that situation going forward. I think for me, too, Ted, I think it was a learning experience, even at 75 years old. I think you still learn. Um, I was at Syracuse, one of the very first universities that had African-American students come to school in the 60s, 1962. Uh, I remember we had, I think at that time, maybe 40 or 50 African-American students on campus, and that was a lot for a university in the Northeast. Right. Had none or very few. And through the years, we've, we've grown that African-American community at Syracuse. And at one time, we had about 20% of the student body African-Americans. It's slightly slow, lower now, but overall, it's uh, diversity of minority students are still over 20%. Mm-hmm. So I've always felt we were diverse, but I think within the African-American group, and, and I think with Asian students, they felt they were some things were not being met here, some of their needs. Okay. The, sometimes you don't see that, you know, unless you go down and you could see it was very real talking to the students, how they really felt they needed to have things done, think changes made. And I think the chancellor listened. I think they changed, they, they, they adopted 16 of the points or platforms uh, that the students wanted. Not all. Some they didn't or couldn't do. I don't think when you're a protester, you're ever happy. You know, you want to get everything. But right. a lot was done. And I think a lot will be done moving forward. So I think it was a tough thing to see. But it was also a good thing to see the university react and try to do things to answer the questions the students had. And right. Like I said, that's always difficult. You're, you're, you know, when you have discussions like that and make bargaining situations like that, no one side, no side, one side is never happy, whatever side it is. And any negotiation, I don't think you ever have both sides coming away feeling, well, we we did great. You know, we you're never gonna, that's never gonna happen. Right. But I, it was good, and I think a lot of things were done, and a lot of things were going to be do- be done moving forward. So hopefully that will make Syracuse University a stronger university and, and help our students. You know, we, we formulated a, a group called the Black Oranges and, um, you know, former SU players, um, athletes, and we just uh, had a, a town hall with um, Chief Maldonado from DPS. Mm-hmm. And I was encouraged uh, after the town hall, that that there it was a good first step. It was a good way to end it, and it's it's just amazing the power of the athlete voice. And you don't really realize it, you know, until afterwards. You know, when you're in it, you know, because a lot of a lot of the 
the not again SU students, a lot of the current students, um, they saw when you wore the not again SU t-shirts and it made them feel that you were, you know, standing in solidarity with them. And it, it and that amount of support. Now, I, I do want to now ask you, how did that idea come about to be able to make that statement? Because it was it was a statement where, um, you know, I'm sure you had a lot of pushback from different directions of not of maybe that wasn't the best statement for you all to make. But how did how did that come about that you wanted to make that as a collective unit, the entire team wearing the not again SU shirts? Well, the players and buddy can speak this. This way, you know, a lot of people say, "Why well, wasn't this your idea, Coach?" It wasn't. It wasn't my idea. It was the players. Mm-hmm. And it was my uh, agreement with it, which was obviously has to happen. And I was happy to agree, but it was really coming from the players, buddy. Elijah probably was Elijah. Yeah, yeah Elijah was one of the main guys. Yeah, Elijah, okay. who was our captain and and the, you know our best player. And once they came up with that, it was a, it was a great idea. Um, I wish I'd have had it, but you know, as we move forward this year, we're going to do things with the uniform uh, in terms of recognizing Black Lives Matter, okay. uh, both on the back of the uniform with patches, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully with real programs moving forward that can make a difference. That's good. I think that's good stuff. I mean, I, you know, the, the athlete platform is such a, a major one and the way that y'all are, are, are using it and not being afraid to use it. I think it really speaks volumes. Um, okay. So I, so I gotta ask, I gotta ask a question, um, you know, switch gears a little bit. And this is a question everybody always wants to ask. You mentioned, you know, the 75 year old coach. I think you're going to be coaching till you're 90, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, you know, I, so the question is after Buddy, after Buddy leaves, you know, what's the plan then? Now, I got to ask you. you, know, you know, every, I got to ask you. <laughs> Everybody assumes that when Buddy leaves, I'm leaving, and there's right. never been any thought to that. Uh, I didn't stay just to coach Buddy, I stayed to coach. I would never just – I would never stay to coach here just because my son's playing here. That would be foolish. I mean, you're going to want to coach. You're going to want to coach the team. Right. And it's nice that I can have my son on the team, and as long as he plays good, he's going to play a lot and be productive. And I'll be happy my wife will not throw me out of the house. But, <laughs> you know, he's doing better as a player. He's earned his way in, and I'm, I'm really happy for him, what he's done. He's been a big part of our team last year, a big part of our success. We finished the year very strong. I was very happy without having any seniors and a freshman point guard. You know, and we have all those guys back. We lose one guy. We have everybody else back. We added a couple nice pieces. So I think we're going to have a, a chance to be really good this year. But it's, uh, you know, I I feel better than I've felt in a long time. I work out more now than I ever have. I didn't work out from 25 to 68. I didn't work out. You know, I just played golf. That's it. I started working out, doing Pilates at 68 or 9, and that's really helped me. And I started swimming this last year and swim six days a week, and that's a good thing for you. So I, as long as I feel good and healthy, um, I, I mean, I'm, I like coach. You know, this isn't construction work. This isn't where you have to go out and work like manually every day. I just have to stand on the sidelines and yell at people. (laughs) My voice is good, so I don't have a problem with that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, 
Warren Buffett's still doing pretty good. He's what, 90? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So I got, so I asked him, and buddy, this is one of the first conversations that we had. You know, I coach my son's AAU team. And um, there's a lot of different dynamics <laughs> with coaching your own son. And so I wanted to delve into that a little bit. So I would ask, buddy, is it hard um, having your dad as a coach? Do you, it, do you feel sometimes that he has to make an example out of you? You know what I mean? So it doesn't look like there's any more favoritism going on. So he has to be a little extra tough on you. Like describe how it is uh, playing for your dad. Uh, no, honestly, it's been great. I mean, ever since I got here, uh, you know, I mean, not even him, just, you know, Coach Red, Coach Griffin, Coach G-Mac are like, you know, family to me as well. So having them on the sidelines helps a lot also. They know me so well. And, you know, my dad knows, obviously knows me so well. And he's, you know, he's been kind of a coach for me since I was a kid. So, you know, I knew what I was coming into. I've been to the practices when I was a kid. I've seen him, you know, cuss out guys and get out with them. And, you know, coming in, I wanted, you know, that too. I wanted to be treated just like a regular player. And, you know, when I get yelled at, I, you know, take it as, as another player and I'm happy I'm getting yelled at too and not, you know, any special treatment or anything. So I think that I've adjusted well to it. And, you know, knowing there's going to be people on the outside saying stuff about how I'm <laughs> the coach's kid and that's why I'm playing. But, right. you know, trying to, you know, get better every day and, and just focus well, on playing and winning. Well, you know what's interesting, and you remember it, and I really – it was not as big a yeller as people think. I mean, I, but I even learned with you that you really didn't react well to yeah. the yell. And I think I, in, in terms of you, especially, because uh, I remember after a couple of years saying, you know, this isn't obviously isn't working as well with the time. Right. And so I really, I pretty much the last two years, I, I don't think I remember really raising my voice to you much. I don't think if any, and right. so I think that's the adjustment sometimes you make, whereas, you know, there's some players that need a push. You know? right. Right. And usually if I'm yelling at players, not because they're making mistakes usually, it's because they're either not working hard enough, which is a something you can't do, uh -huh. um, or they're, you know, they're not playing together or being a good teammate, you know, being unselfish. But those are the things as a coach you get mad about. A guy making a throwing the ball away, that happens. That's part of basketball. Right. But, uh, you know, if you do the same mistake, make the same mistake over and over again, then I guess, you know, that's when coaches raise the temperature a little bit. Right. And we just told you that, and now you did it again. And then you yeah. did it again. Yeah. So, you know, I always thought with you, you're, you, I thought you just, you're so even keeled that I thought sometimes you needed a push to go after people more because you were a physical player. Right. So you got to use that physical. It's not enough to have it. You got to use it. And so I always felt early in your career that you needed a little bit more of a push to get after people. And obviously you succeeded and got became the best shot blocker and defensive player in the Big East Conference for two years. And, went on to have great success. So yeah. uh, not bad for a kid from Oklahoma that the high school <laughs> had to call me to see if we could re recruit him because the yeah. Oklahoma didn't recruit him. Well, that was my that was after my freshman year. I was young then, but I knew where I yeah. wanted to go, though. So, you know, I, and that's, you know, Coach Harris passed away. But um, I remember when he called you and he's like, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I got a guy that was interested in you. And it was after my freshman, so I hadn't really played that much then. Yeah. He was like, nope, nobody's recruiting him yet. Nope, he hasn't really played yet. And you're like, well, what am I missing here, coach? <laughs> but he, 
He said, keep your eye on him. I got on the plane, went to Tulsa. That was a good move. Today, if somebody called me from Oklahoma and said they had a plan, I might not get on the plane. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) So so last question is about the outlook for this year. I'm I'm excited about the team. Um, I was really someone who, you know, I have big man bias. So I was happy for Sidibe's, um, you know, emergence, especially towards the end of that year. Um, I was there against the game against North Carolina where he had the really good game. That was John Wallace's uh, retirement uh, ceremony game. Yeah. And uh, just talk about his development and just what you expect, uh, you know, from the team as a whole. Well, you know, the biggest thing with our team is having six out of our first seven guys back. Even though we lose Elijah Hughes, who's a great player, we got six guys back. And that's unusual in right. college basketball. Our starting backcourt is back, uh, you know, our, our, starting, our starting forward and center, our backup forward uh quincy uh, is back Guerrier is back uh we've added two really good pieces a freshman point guard and a transfer alan griffin who's a really good player from illinois so we've got seven guys that are really experienced players and that helps barama uh, and and uh, marek both gained 20 pounds in which you okay. don't expect to see that in a going into your senior year but i think that's where the pandemic probably helped us a little bit they had to not work out for a while and eat. And so I think they have <laughs> some weight. We all do when we don't work out. And I think they're much better. Uh, I think Joe and Buddy backcourt got stronger. They got their year experience. Right. The last game at North Carolina that we played in the ACC tournament. Oh, y'all gave in the business. That was great to see. Play the best we could play. Fantastic. That was right before Corona. Like right yeah, before it. Next day we were done. Played our oh, yeah. best. We're done the next day. But you know, to beat North Carolina by 30 points, you just don't do that. And so I think the team came together, and I think uh, we've got that momentum, and guys have just improved. That's what I look for. You get a team and you get a lot of guys back, did they improve? Yes, they've all improved. So this will be a fun year. We just got to, you know, get through it, be able to play games and, you know, keep everybody healthy and Test negative. That's <laughs> negative. That's right. How about Jesse? I was I was, I was head of the free Jesse uh, campaign last year. Yeah. How, how, how's Jesse? How's Jesse doing? Jesse's got to get stronger. That was his biggest problem. You know, when you're seven foot tall and you weigh two hundred and ten pounds, uh, it just doesn't work. You know that. Right, and, right, right. Uh, he just he he wants to make the play. He's got the a skill set, but he just gets bumped out of the way. He's much stronger. I think it's still a process. He's still got to get a little stronger. But, you know, Barama is ready. Uh, we've got another freshman big guy. You know, we can still play Marek in the center some of the time. Um, but it's a really well-balanced team. We've got good scoring. We've got – you know, we were 21st in the country in offensive efficiency last year. It was our defense that was bad. We were 100. And, you know, one of the things we didn't have last year, which we've had for years with you and a lot of other guys, we didn't block many shots. And that hurt and uh, so I think our zones are going to be better. Um, and I think we'll move up defensively. That's important. Right. You, know, you were here. You anchored it. We were in the top 20 in defense every year because we had right. you anchoring the middle, and we, we, we haven't had that barama when we weighed 210 pounds last year. Right, right. We're 230 now, 228. So mm. I think we'll be better because of the maturity of our players and their experience. So it, it, I think it's going to be a fun team to watch. 
So do we have so and this is the last one I'll ask. I won't keep you off forever. But you know, when when I was there, we had, you know, we had Bernie Fine doing the big man drills, and them drills are great. I still use them with my big men now, uh, with AAU. I mm -hmm. I I think they're great. Banging them the you know, the heavy ball and you yep. know, the gloves and stuff like that. I think it's great stuff. Um, you know, we have, of course had Coach Orr who worked with us in our, our quickness and our you know forward stuff. Um, do you utilize any of those Bernie drills anymore or did that oh, mean? Yeah. No, we use body balance drills, rebounding okay. drills, same one. Same okay, exact all right. One. That's good stuff. Uh, you know, catch low post moves, yeah. you know, all that stuff we use. We don't use the gloves anymore, but okay. we do everything else. And uh, we work 30 minutes every day in individual work. You know, every day, every day, all year long, the guards are in a group, the forwards, and then the big guys are in a group. And so we're trying to develop each player to be the best player he can be, and then – as a result, we can be the best team. If you're the best individual you can be and we can put you into the team, right. then we're going to have a great team, and that's that's what our what, what our goal is. It always has been. That's great. That's great. And I'm looking for big things from you, buddy. You know, every year you add something more to your game. I tell you, I'm watching, so I'm paying attention. So what what's going to be the new thing that you add to your game this year? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to put you on the spot because each year you've added something new and you improved. I like the way you started attacking the basket. Um, you know, especially towards the middle, towards the end of last year, because before mm -hmm. your jump shooting, now the one, the drone dribble pull up was good, the two dribble pull up was good. Then you start attacking going all the way. So, what, what's the new thing you're going to add this year? Yeah, I think just overall, I think I'm better in just about every aspect. I mean, just I got a, a lot, got a lot more athletic, uh, stronger, quicker. I think I'm moving better on defense. Uh, you know, attacking the rim better, making plays, and just trying to you know make more plays, get more assists, get more rebounds, and be a better overall player, and I think I'm shooting it a little better again and I shot off quicker, and I think just overall being a better athlete helps a lot and getting to my spots and, you know, getting to the rim making plays. That's the biggest thing. I think he's getting his shot off quicker. That'll help him, and uh -huh. I think he's going by people. Eric has helped him with that, his driving. Okay. I think he's getting angles better and getting by people better, and that's what you hope from your players. I remember you coming in and – you're a pretty raw athlete and right. you know, how you worked at the game and got better. And I think you got better every year you were here. And, you know, we, we hope that uh, for all of our players. And uh, uh, Buddy has gotten better. Uh, That's good. I also got beat up by Otis my freshman year, so I learned I had to get in the weight room. <laughs> so that really helped too. Hey, Coach and Buddy, thank, thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks for coming on. And uh, be safe and, and keep testing negative. You know, everything that y'all do is just – Keep testing negative. And say hi to Julie again for me, too. Thanks, Gene. Definitely. Oh, there she goes. How you doing, Julie? Great <laughs> <laughs> nice talking to you, too. All right. Good talking to you. Have a good one. Hey, you, too. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, Vinny Del Negro, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AtonThomas36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.